Hey guys, Pat and Ian here with a special edition of the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Wednesday, April 9th, 2014. Hey Ian, how's it going? Not bad. Uh, it's unusual for us to convene again on such short notice. Yeah, well we figured originally we weren't going to be broadcasting for three weeks because I'm gone next week from now. I'll, I will not be here, I'll be traveling. But we thought since WrestleMania 30 just happened over the past weekend, a couple other nice little events that we'd... You know, do a quick little podcast. So, what were we talking about? WrestleMania 30 results we'll be talking about. We'll be talking about the untimely passing of the Ultimate Warrior. We're talking about uh, a little announcement from Nintendo Direct about the new Smash Brothers modes uh, coming up in the new uh, fourth Super Smash Brothers game. And then also we're talking about a guy trying to sell Earthbound carts on eBay. Oh, that doesn't sound too bad. But 30 of them at the same time. And I'll... <laughs> I'll touch briefly on the passing of Python Angelo as well, who is a pinball designer. Okay. So, WrestleMania 30 came and gone on Sunday. The heralded wrestling event from WWE. We watched it on WWE Network. Yeah, it was, it was pretty smooth, the stream. It was It was smooth. Uh, we nice. had the benefit of watching the replay, so if there were hiccups, we probably would have noticed less of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta say, it was fun sitting around in a room with people watching a pay-per-view again. That's not something that I've done in probably over a decade. And, uh, you know, the show... And we'll get into our thoughts a little bit more about it in a minute. The show wasn't perfect, but um, it was better than I had sort of expected it to be in a lot of key areas. Uh, it started off strong and it ended strong, which I think is, you know, if if, if, if a, if a pay per view is not going to be perfect all the way through, sandwiching all the not-so-great stuff in between, a good open and a good close is going to help that go down yeah, positively in people's sure. memory. I'm probably a little bit less enthused about the result than you. I think that obviously it had a good good ending and good beginning. I think overall, though, the card was uh, average. Oh, no. Compared I, to the pay-per-views. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, the card was average. I'm just saying, at least it started with a bang and ended with a bang. I was there at WrestleMania 20, and that event, even though I was there live, uh, we'll talk about it in particular, but that main event match, match, triple threat match with Benoit, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels was, was extremely good, close to a five-star match. Uh, easily four-star. Um, so that was good. You, you had other nice moments. You had, well, you had The Rock and Sock Connections last match. You had uh, The Rock's last match in, for the next, like, seven, eight years. Uh, you had that. You had Goldberg versus uh, Lesnar, which, while the result wasn't the best, it was a great dream match on paper. Sure. Um, you know, it, so you had those going on. But um, let's just run down the card, what we thought about it. Um, the, pre, the pre-match, I guess the free match, uh, they had the, the, the four-way uh, tag team match. Just you know, it's uh, it is what it is. There was no. I'm always disappointed in WrestleMania when there's not a build up for every single title that they have. Sure, it's 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 very it's very disappointing that while the, they did a great job the past year and a half building back up the tag team division on the biggest wrestling event of the year, there was no real feud. It was just a, you know, the Usos defending their their belts. Usos are a fine tag team, and you know they de- defended against three other teams and they won and no real storyline involved and in, in, anywhere. Yeah, at, at that point. You know, we had just started. I was actually finishing up a game of Netrunner with a friend, and I wasn't paying attention to the first part. And I went back, and you know, I didn't really miss anything by not paying attention to the first part. But by the time that I got down to uh, the Real Americans and um, the Usos, they put on a good... You know, once it was just them, it was a good few minutes of tag team wrestling. Um, that said, it, it did, didn't did do a ton to impress me. I liked the outcome, though. Uh, I did not see Raw, but I, I like that... Whether he's heel or face, because he left, left the Real Americans, but Cesaro then aligned with Heyman. So no one really knew. I mean, is he heel? Is he face? But the fact that it looks like Cesaro is getting 
So you did watch Raw then? No, I just read about it. Oh, because that's what happened on Raw. Yeah, that, that's what I said. <laughs> that's what I said. No, you didn't. Yeah, I said that he aligned with Heyman. Not on Raw, though. You mean it's not like it happened in WrestleMania. No. So they, they teased it again. They teased, they've been teasing the breakup for about two months, almost, between Swagger and, and uh, Cesaro. Cesaro has been my favorite wrestler on the roster for about the past year and a half, two years. At and this point, it's probably mine as well. He, he had a good, good uh, U.S. title run when it was defended a lot. Uh, Dean Ambrose has had the belt for like eight months and hasn't defended it. I can't remember when. It's even a joke on on the announcement on the road that Dean Ambrose never defends it. But he had the great, uh, you know, I'm a real American, even though he's you know he's Swiss and speaks like five different languages, making fun of Americans and how he's he's their savior. Like great great anti-American gimmick for a U.S. champ. And so uh, he he did good things like just put put his neutralizer finishing move, which is like a uh, like face buster. You know, like Paljar face bust, clutch, basically. Yeah. It's like a clutch face bust, yeah. basically. But he's been doing that move on everyone. You know, we're talking like Great Kali, Mark Henry. He's done it in the past. Um, just really string off his power. Um, the big, uh, the big dancing dude that they they don't use anymore. Whatever his name is, Brodus Clay, who has to weigh about four hundred easily pounds. You know, and it, it just doing. And then the crowd all of a sudden is seeing, wow, this guy has some freakish strength and also the fact that you know he has his european uppercut moves that are insane like popping guys 10 feet in the air uppercutting him or the super jumping uppercuts and so despite the fact that he's a heel he's gotten more and more popular the same way daniel bryan has just on his wrestling ability alone not necessarily his promo skills which which like just like daniel bryan they aren't the best but they can do a little bit They're, they're there to some degree so more and more He's been getting a slow push, and the separation of the tag team. He performed very well uh, against, um, I think, John Cena recently had a, a match the past few months, and then he was in the Elimination Chamber uh, match, which was a bit, it's a big deal to be put in that match. That's really his sort of step up. So, yeah, they were teasing the breakup, and it happened on Raw, where he's aligned with Paul Heyman, but Paul Heyman's a heel manager. So I think the fans will still like him, but the fact that he's a Paul Heyman, he's going to be heel to the casual fans. So Fair. So that moves us on to our official opening match, which was... Uh, well, let's, let's before the opening match. You had Well, yeah, okay. So, yeah, this is what I meant when I said the, it started off with a bang. WrestleMania needs to start memorably and end memorably, and it, 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 it certainly started memorably, um, you know, with Hulk Hogan coming down to the ring. And Stone Cold coming out, then Rock yeah. coming out, and really, I mean, there's not a whole lot to discuss here other than the fact that it was incredibly big to see all three of those guys stand in the in, yeah. in the ring at the same time. Um, they told a couple jokes, you know, they did the paneling around. It was a really basic routine, but just it, it didn't it didn't need to be more than those three standing in no. the ring. It was like it, twenty twenty five minutes. Yeah, too. and it was uh, it was fun, you know, and it was. It was interesting to see, and Hogan. The big thing about it is Hogan screwed up saying that he thought they were in the Silver Dome. No, Pontiac Silver Dome from WrestleMania three when it was a Superdome, and so the crowd got on him. I think he didn't realize it until the second time he said it. Then he corrected himself. Then The Rock and Stone Cold joked about it about four or five times and made it a running gag, which was really really funny. And you can see Austin really loving every second of it because Austin had never been in the ring with Hogan before, right? In the WWE, uh, you know, I'm not sure about WCW, but Austin was not a main eventer in WCW. He was mid to on their card when Hogan was there in like 93, 94. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hogan, it almost seemed like Hogan talking to Austin, at least Austin was basically trying to credit him for being obviously helping out professional wrestling and being great for the business. But in the past, Hogan, uh, Austin did not have nice things to say about Hogan in the past. Um, so it's obviously, they, they couldn't bring that stuff out on, on for WrestleMania, you know, but 
it was it was what it was. We're not going to see a match between Hogan and and, and Stone Cold. If you were, it would have happened ten years ago. You know, so don't want to see a match between those two now. That would be miserable. But yeah, that was a fun way to start it. And then Rock was there too. So you know, The Rock obviously had a match, a great match with Hogan. WrestleMania, uh, what was that? Uh, 18? 19. Pretty sure. 19, 2003 or 18. I just watched it. I'm fairly certain it was 18. 18? Sure. Yeah. I just went back and watched to see if it was actually You're right, better 18. than I remember. It was 18. Because 2004 was 20. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. So so they had that match, but yeah, it was just a good way to start it. No one expected Austin to be there. Austin has a podcast. He didn't say he was going to be there. He likes to work people a little bit. So then you have the Daniel Bryan versus Triple H match which was the first real match on the card, which you have to start off with because one of these two guys is going to be in the main event because the winner was going to face uh, Batista and uh, Randy Orton for the uh, unified WWE World Heavyweight Championship. So this was a, this was a good match. Um, it was enjoyable. It kind of, it kind of, you kind of expected it to be good. It was 26 minutes long, which is what you expect for a match of these two to face. Now, these two should have probably faced each other in the fall after Triple H screwed over Daniel Bryan uh, like two or three times. But, because CM Punk was gone, the rumor was CM Punk was going to face Triple H. They gave the match to Daniel Bryan, and it worked out. It was, it was a good match. To me, this was probably match of the show. Um, I, I had even the matches I liked on this card. I have some some issues with, but this one I liked for weird reasons. I've never been a Triple H fan. Um, I've always thought he was very average mm-hmm. um and i don't like you know the the behind the scenes stuff that he does and pulls but um daniel bryan wrestled excellently as i think anyone would have expected but what i admired was that triple h really wrestled outside of his comfort zone working on a lot of holds that he doesn't normally use trying a lot of different chains a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good psychology using working out daniel bryan's arm with the cross face, yeah, things it, like that and working just working the arm for a good chunk of the match yeah. His 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 flow. I don't know. It was it was. It didn't turn me into a Triple H fan. Nothing will. But he was he was wrestling very smooth in that match and doing a lot of things that I didn't think I'd see him do. Doesn't mean he was high flying or completely changing the definition of what a Triple H match is. But it was nice to see him put an extra amount of effort into it. Sure, and I like that it put. He put Brian over clean. clean. Yep, and it, he did even. It wasn't one of those things where Brian had to do like two or three finishers. One one flying knee, and that was it. You yeah, know, the first one that hit, he he was out, and, yeah. he, and he kicked out of the pedigree. Clean and decisive. So, so that was so, good. That was good. Not set up the, the main event, and you know, people didn't. I, obviously, people didn't. No one expected Daniel Bryan to lose. If Daniel Bryan lost. It would have been a revolt, but the crowd would have been. But dead. there was, there was a sign out. front and center that says, "If Bryan loses, we riot." Yeah. Which could be for both matches, but definitely for the first one. It would have killed the heat for the rest of the card. Oh, it would have destroyed it. Yeah, it would have destroyed it. You, you might have people actually walk out. Like, the, for the people that are the smart fans, they might have just said, fuck this, I'm done. Yeah. So, I mean, they had to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next, you had the the six-man tag between The Shield, who are all on the rise. Uh, they've been around for a year and a half. Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns versus the New Age Outlaws, who are, you know, late 40s by now easily. And Kane, who's also getting up there, and this was a wow, less than three minutes. Yeah, it was, match. It was, it was just a squash, basically. It was so short, I don't remember it. Uh, I remember reading that night or the day after that they think that part. They think that um, a lot of people were saying that uh, Brian Triple H probably ran over a little bit, you know, so they shortened it. Uh, the thing is, is I love the Shield. I, I they've it, it, since coming back, they've really grown on me. I like all three members of the Shield. Um, but yeah, there was nothing memorable about that match. I, 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 they did, they I, did a I, double, triple team powerbomb at the end where they put 
two guys on each sh- shoulder. Oh, yeah. That was cool. You don't that, see that. That was cool. Right. But that's, I mean, I really don't remember anything about that match. It was pure filler. Yeah, it, it's exactly what it should be. There's no way in hell that you have these three old fogies. Uh, you know, this is the problem. Is that is that you know it, it, we don't we can't have this turn into WCW in the late nineties, mid late nineties, where you have all the old guys going over the young guys. And this was the, the pay per view that hopefully started a new era. That's what I'm hoping yeah. too. I'm hoping that you know behind the scenes management is, is realizing that what what they are looking at is a situation I, where they can repeat the mistakes of WCW, or or let. Um, or let the the younger guys start winning sure. some titles. I'll touch on that more later when we get to yeah. the main event. Um, yeah, this is this is the sort of I, I, looking back like four or five years from now, we, we get the point. I think this. I know there's quote unquote the universe era, which started a few years ago after ruthless aggression and went to like the universe slash PG era. I think this is the start. If, if you go back to last year, this year, this is going to be the start of the, whatever that next era is going to be called. This is going to be it. I think this right. is going to be the demarcation line for that 2014 for sure. Um, then you had the very enjoyable Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Holy crap, that blew me away with how much fun it was. And usually Battle Royals are a mess, just because there's so many guys in the ring. Yeah. You know. I like Royal Rumbles in principle, and they are kind of fun to watch. And then Battle Royales, where everyone starts. But, that, but see, the thing was, with the Royal Rumble, you get people who come in on a timed thing. Yeah. So, provided that the booking is solid, you can tell an interesting story. Most of the time, a Battle Royale... It's a mess, but no, everyone kind of paired off. There was some good moves, some good spots, fun people to see. And, uh, you know, we kind of already did the Cesaro talk, but it was gr- No, I don't think anyone was really expecting Cesaro to be in that. And the fact that he won was fantastic. Now, we already talked about why that's great uh, earlier. I, well, they didn't They didn't tease before that he was even going to be in that match. Yeah. So once I saw him in there, I was like, okay, this is interesting. They might have him be the final four or final yep. two, at least. But then once it got down to him and Big Show, I said, there's no way Cesaro's not going to win this with him. Because everyone picked Big Show to win because obviously he's like on the Giants. <laughs> right. You know. Uh, but yeah, there were some good spots. Uh, Del Rio had some nice eliminations of guys. Mm-hmm. Del Rio's a very solid you know, hand. He, he's he, he always puts on at least. He, he's not the most charismatic guy, but he he's a good wrestler. And so he was in there. He he looked strong. Uh, the final four was a good uh, final four. Um, what did you have? You had Big Show, Cesaro. Um, who were the other two? Was Ziggler one of the final four? I don't believe so. Or Ziggler was later right before the final four because they were they were hot for Ziggler too. Um, oh, Sheamus. That's right. Yeah, Sheamus was in there. Sheamus. Oh, it was Del Rio. Final four, Big Show, Sheamus, Cesaro, Del Rio. Ziegler was eliminated right before that, I think. Him and Kobe Kingston. Kingston had a cool little spot. He always has a cool spot every Royal Rumble where he has something really weird happen. He manages to get back in. So he was thrown over the top rope, but his two tippy toes were on, were on the, the steel steps. <laughs> yeah. So technically, his feet didn't hit the floor, so he got back in the match, which is cool. Yeah. Kobe Kingston has a lot of talent, but they don't know what to do with him right now. That's the problem. Um, but anyway, so it came down to Big Show and Cesaro. And then Cesaro not only scoops up uh, Big Show, takes a couple steps That's with him. It was a full, like, three seconds and tosses awesome him too. over the top rope. And that was a fantastic... I mean, that was just, freakish. Yeah. Because when Hogan uh, body slammed Andre, it was like Andre jumping into it and, yep. like, a, you know, like, a quick momentum thing. This was pick the guy up. Literally, he was probably five feet from the ropes, walk over and dump him over. Yeah, it was a deliberate toss of a big man uh, from a guy who is not... I mean... Cesaro's big. Cesaro's well-defined. He's, he's a, big. But he's, he's a not, muscular guy. But, I mean, he's in, not, in terms of other wrestlers, yeah. he's actually kind of small. He's smaller than John Cena and yeah. a couple other guys. But he, he's pound for pound. But he has, it's cliche, he's the strongest guy right. by far. And that's why I go back to saying where, you know, before when people see him doing the neutralizer to guys like Brodus Clay, where it's like, wow, that's insane because that's a lot of strength to pick someone up, you know, from their leg and then come up and back down. And they plus they added the giant swing. 
which is a movie you haven't seen since the 50s or 60s. And so he does a giant swing now to people, which is a really, really old school wrestling move that people now pop for mm-hmm. because they can't believe he's done it. And he's done it to guys like Big Cali and Mark Henry. He did it to John Cena, I think, I believe it was 30, 30 rotations in Elimination Chamber. That's, that takes, a, that's just strength. You can't, yeah. the wrestler getting swung can't help. Right. He's just getting swung around. That's an incredible amount of strength to do that. So that's him doing that really elevates Cesaro to that next level even more so. And like we, like I think you mentioned to me in passing that this could be the opportunity to, every year if they do this battle royal, it can be a chance to bring another guy, maybe a mid card, up to another level. Kind of like how King of the Ring used to do it to an extent, which is gone. Yeah, I think you know. if they did, it would be interesting because Royal Rumble takes a mid carder and puts them on the big stage for WrestleMania. But if they keep doing if the, they if they win, but if, usually yeah. usually only the main eventers win at the Royal. Rumble. Uh, well, true. I'm just saying this could definitely be used at Royal Rumble to give a a mid card. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, WrestleMania. This this this. Um, not Royal Rumble. The Battle Royal can be used. Yeah, the Battle Royal to have a similar sort of effect. Sure. No, that's, it, it was a great idea. Uh, it makes sense. And so what happened was that on Raw, uh, the, the final breakup between the group, uh, Cesaro's there. Uh, gets he reveals that he's not a Zeb Coulter guy. He's a Paul Heyman guy, which which had been CM Punk, Curtis Axel, who not anymore because he, he's not that exciting. And then Brock Lesnar. So now, so so then Jack Swagger breaks the trophy, and then they fight it out. So that's there's your next feud is Swagger versus Cesaro, but Cesaro's going to win that one. Um, so there you go. So Cesaro's on his way. He'll, he'll probably have some sort of. He'll probably get his U.S. Championship back or another the IC belt. Which again, I'm, I'm at this point that there was no IC belt match, no Intercontinental title belt. Which I'd really like to see some sort of meaning brought back to the IC. They belt. were thinking about combining that with the U.S. belt. I think you can keep those separate. I think you need more than two single titles since there's so many wrestlers now. They don't have that split SmackDown roster anymore. Right. Uh, but they got to use them. They got to show that they're main event or just under main event. Because it used to be that if you had the IC belt in the late 80s and the 90s, IC belt was, it was a stepping big. stone to your hopefully. It was either, the, it was either as high as you were going to get or it was the stepping stone to your main event. But it wasn't treated just as a prop. It was no, very yeah. important. Yeah. You know, Mr. Perfect had it, it was big. And Randy Savage had it, it was big. And Bret Hart had it, had it, it was big. Yep. You know, so they got to get back to that. Biggie Langston has it right now. But again, when there's no when there's no United States Championship or Intercontinental title on the line, what does it say about your title then? You know, what does it say how important it is? So they got, they got to do a better job with that. Yeah. Uh, the, the John Cena-Bray Wyatt match was very entertaining. A good story involved with it. This is what I liked about it. Well, okay. So it was a good match. Really like Bray Wyatt. Um, not a huge Cena fan, although I, I don't know. Thing is, is, I feel like Cena was the star for basically the entire period that I was absent from watching professional yeah, wrestling. Yeah, he, he was he, for the ruthless aggression era up to now. Basically, yeah. he's been the main star. And so the past eight years. So they both wrestled a really good match. There was some good cheesy but good storytelling in there. Um, my problem was, is... Okay, Cena goes over. Bray Wyatt still looks good, right? The oh, match, yeah. the match. Hold on. The match was worked in such a way that Bray Wyatt still looked good. But I'm just kind of rubbed a little bit the wrong way that they didn't give Wyatt the win. And the reason is, is because a win for Wyatt would have done a lot more for him. Because at this point, a loss for Cena isn't going to damage Cena at all. A loss for Cena is not going to damage him. I, I, w- I would... I would say, in the fans would have much. I think that I, I, I could I be think wrong. The only thing I'm going to say about it is this: is that Bray Wyatt has not 
even been. I hate to say he he wasn't ready for to be given the win. Seeing as the the top guy, the top sort of strong man of the company, and for him to 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 lose in the first encounter with Bray, I think you can get more out of it. By yeah. having it continue on, and then I see Bray getting a win down the road, whether it was, whether it's the next pay per view or three months from now. This is the start of something bigger, and I don't I don't have a problem with seeing it getting getting a win. I never have a problem with a guy getting a win clean as long as the other guy looks strong. Then it, it, it's, it, it's 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 he's already elevated. That's fair. I'm just coming from the perspective where I don't because I don't know a lot about Cena. The crowd seemed really cool on Cena. Oh, they have been. It was, yeah, it was a smart crowd. At WrestleMania, it usually kind of is, except maybe in L.A. In in, in New York, it was uh, last year. Uh, In L.A., it wasn't the year before, halfway. But, um, no, the crowd has been... It's like how they were sick of Hogan in the early 90s. Right. Same sort of thing. So, I guess that's my only thing. But but to Cena, it's a bigger extent. If if Cena was hotter, the the win... Like I said, I'm not not totally turned off by the outcome, because... Bray Wyatt looked very good. And the story was cool. He was trying to get in Cena's head to get him to yeah. cheat and use a chair and just become like a like quote unquote a monster getting his head. Which I just cool. feel like the the pop. I understand that this is a storyline they can drag out for a little bit longer with still a, a good payoff for Bray. I just felt like at WrestleMania the crowd reaction might have been huge if there was that quote unquote upset. I I thought it was funny though when he had uh, Bray Wyatt gives slides the chair into Cena at the end and basically goes on his knees saying yeah. finish it, John Alicia Monster. Which is a cool idea to get Cena to, to admit that he's not a you know little guy for kids, or whatever. Yeah, it's a good idea for you don't see it too often happen in, in wrestling match like that. But then the ref goes, "No, John, it's not a yeah. <laughs> Why the hell would the ref care? He's just yeah. being impartial. Yeah, the ref's just supposed to call. I was like, "No, John, that's not who you are." Like, it was just really corny and yeah. funny. But you know, I don't know. I mean, let's be real. We're watching wrestling. The corniness is sometimes the part the, of it, the, the yeah. fun of it. No, I have no problem. I mean, Cena. Cena put over uh, Brian Clean, Daniel Brian Clean at SummerSlam last year out of nowhere, which no one expected. So I think Cena, Cena is now like, you know, like 37, maybe 38. He kind of realizes that his time to step aside is, is coming. Right. You know, he does realize that. He's been the top, I said, the last eight, nine years, he's been the top guy in the company. That's a, a huge, that's how long Hogan was top dog. Well, I mean, that's like, like I said, Hogan was top well, yeah, like I said, I mean, he he was the big star for the entire time I was away from wrestling. And I was away from, I, I mean, I've been away from it for 15 years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, next up is the most controversial match, and the one that um, I thought was lackluster. But there might be a reason for that. Undertaker versus Brock, Les- Brock Lesnar with the streak on the line. All right. So lackluster doesn't describe it. It was a fucking shit match. I thought it was garbage. It was slow and it was boring. But my problem, and we touched on this in the previous uh, the previous podcast. Um, my problem is not that the streak ended. Streak was made to be broken. I didn't really want. Let me explain this real quick. I didn't want him to lose to Brock. Why? Because I don't care much for Brock. Brock, Brock's a part-timer. Brock's already been over. I wanted someone worthwhile to to beat Undertaker's streak. So now it would really elevate him more. Yes. The thing is, though, watching that match, and I joked about it when we were watching, I felt like they went into that match not knowing if his streak was going to end or not. And at about the halfway point, when Undertaker's (laughs) gassed and fucking feeling it, he goes... Take me home, Brock. I need you to take okay. me home. I doubt that was... No, I, I doubt that's what happened. That's, that's why I said it was a joke. There, there's... there's uh, supposedly the news was that, was that Undertaker suffered a concussion during the match sometime. That would explain a decent amount. Uh, but either way, it's like... I know, I know Brock Lesnar's a, a big guy. If you can't put on that caliber match, then Undertaker probably was like, this has to be the last thing. Because Undertaker couldn't keep up. He can't. No. Uh, I, th- I Again, I go back and watch the CM Punk match from last year. 
Uh, but CM Punk is a great tactician, and he's a guy that can carry someone to a good match. Lesnar, I'm not sure if Lesnar's the guy who can do that. Lesnar can perform, but I'm not sure if he can carry someone. I think Lesnar needs someone at least as equal, and then they'll feed off each other and make a good match. But you know, Lesnar's Lesnar had a, Lesnar's had a, had amazing matches. Yeah, don't yes. get me wrong, but right. against guys like Kurt Angle that yeah. are some right. of the best of all time, against a guy like Undertaker that's like 48, 49, that's a little tougher. So, so that said, it was disappointing again because it was it was slow and plotting. I fell asleep twice during this match. Yeah, I honestly did. I, I know it was a long pay per view, but the first like within the first ten minutes, I was looking at this like the, the pacing is just so slow. It's just like, oh man, everyone was in my out. living room was like, this is easily the worst match of the night. And I was really crossing my fingers, because I, I didn't have any any real faith in this match going in, but I was crossing my fingers they might be able to pull something out. As we got closer and closer to watch, and I'm like, you know what, it's Mania, it's Taker. They're going to find something to do here. And they just couldn't. And like I said before, yes, it was a joke, but I really feel like, I mean, after watching that match, yeah, it sucks that he lost the streak to Lesnar, but next year wouldn't have been any better. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like Undertaker's on a decline. Now, I, I did not watch Raw. I mean, I, I did not hear that he retired. He did not, right? But no, he was on Raw. That's what people are basically assuming is going to happen. I don't know what they're going to do. I think they'll try to get one more WrestleMania match out of him, quite frankly. I don't think... I, I would hope that he would not want to go out, out on such a lot, lackluster mass, match after even only three, four years ago. Four years ago was... what, what the, the, the two Shawn Michael matches were both excellent matches, the two, two years in a row. Well, you know, and the so, thing like, is, they go from that... And then even the, tri- even the Triple H matches, they weren't the best, but they told a good story. At least, and they were like, "Okay, these are these are to the standard, you know." And then the CM Punk match last year was like, "Okay, he's at, obviously declining. He can no longer do the big jump over the top rope anymore, which he didn't do this match. Right. And he even do the old school rope. He got caught. He got caught, but he only came out like one step. He didn't come out, you know, yeah. a few steps. Um, so obviously, he was hurt either with concussion or the fact that hey, he's old. Every year is another the wear and tear, and he's not in ring shape. And yeah, that's well, what here, it comes down to. In, in, here's the thing: now that the streak, despite like I said, despite that I did not want it to end that way, the streak is over. It's over. The streak is not the elephant in the room anymore. No, he does and not. He does not. He does not have to wait till WrestleMania. If he can get himself back into ring shape, heal up, find the guy he wants to put over for his retirement match. He can go out and put on one more good match. He doesn't have to wait a year. He doesn't have to wait for his no. body to deteriorate. He he can end things on his own term because the streak really was becoming sort of an albatross around his neck. I mean, he had. Well, he, I mean, he had to go. I mean, he had to figure out what he wanted to do with it, and it, it was a year between those matches. Well, word was though. There's again another rumor. You see this on wrestling what, sites. The Kurt Angle was, rumor. There was a there was a rumor that he wanted Angle to beat it in 2006, Six, yeah. and Angle refused out of respect. Who knows if that's true? It could be, and that. But it sounds like the past few years, he sounds like Undertaker wanted Lesnar to break it because they're friends in real life. Um, it sounds like he's he's always there. At, he was always there at Brock's uh, UFC fights. Uh, Undertaker right in the first second row. Oh, that's cool. So I mean, it makes sense. And plus, I, the w- one perspective I see that I do agree with Lesnar getting the win is that Lesnar can handle the heat attached to it. Sure, Lesnar's a huge heel. He's a believable huge heel. heel. Yes. Too. He he's destroyed guys. He's he's broken the arms of guys like Triple H and Shawn Michaels and he's been champion two or three times. So, he he can be a credible guy to do it. And if you pick a young guy to do it, like say like a Roman Reigns is coming up and say he breaks it and then he never gets up to that potential, then it's a waste. Sure. If you have a guy that you think is going to get elevated, like Billy Gunn winning the King of the Ring and then doing nothing with it, then it's a waste and it makes it look worse. So the good news about this was at least that a guy that did it is that, okay, you can see it happening. And the other good thing about it was, it, for WWE at least, it made mainstream news. 
Yeah. John Stewart talked about it at the closing of the Daily Show on uh, Monday night. Really? He brought, yeah, he must have been like, no, it's not supposed to happen this way. Like, so it's a bit, so when you there's very few things that get to that sort of mainstream sort of okay, this is big. So in that respect, it, it was a shock. And supposedly, a lot of people in the company didn't even know it was going to happen. The guys, the people that were supposed to know it was going to happen, didn't know. I, I would argue that maybe even some of the announcers didn't know it was going to happen. They were yeah, silent. they probably kept that quiet. And, and the right. reaction was great. The crowd went definitely silent. Oh, it was the reaction was the best part. Oh yeah, looking at all these grown men. I mean, like trying to hold it back. I, I don't know. That was pretty people amusing for me. Yeah. Um, but no, you're right. It ended a little bit safer, I guess. With the the, the Lesnar win is a safer way to do it. But he does make a good heat sink, basically. Oh yeah. You know, and I mean, now he's and now he's the biggest credible heel that you have. If he was if he wasn't before, right. Now he's probably gonna. I'd, I'd say go for the title within the next few months. My only hope and, is if, he's, if he if he has to be around though, he's be around. Right. He can't part time this. He needs to be around for at least a heel or a year or, or six months. He's got to work a couple matches to make sure. the payoff of this worth yeah. something. Not do what he's done the last couple of years. Do like three matches a year. Right. You know. Now he's got. He's got a. He's got a. There's got to be a story with a payoff. All right, the, the, the throwaway, which I, I think I slept through most of it, too. Uh, I, I did see the end of the last five minutes of the Undertaker match, though. Then the, the Vicky Guerrero Divas you Championship you, Invitational. You didn't sleep through it. We fast-forwarded through it because, <laughs> Sorry, we, were, because we were watching the, the rerun. Yeah, it, so it, AJ Lee won. She's been champion for, like, 300 days, and then she actually lost it on Raw to the to the NXT Women's Champ. Uh, that impromptu match. Paige, right? Yeah, Paige. Which people, people went pretty nuts for on Raw. I, I've never seen NXT some with her, so I don't know. But it was, the NXT Women's Women's, women's wrestlers are, are actually wrestled pretty decently, so if that if that's going to be used to bring up some of the NXT women's card, that could be fun. Sure. And then the main event match, which I thought was a disappointment. Yes. Uh, as you said, it ended well, but the, no, it, Randy Orton versus Batista versus Daniel Bryan. You have, to, you have to understand, when I say that it started well and ended well, I mean that it started with something big like Hogan, Rock... Austin, and it ended well in that everyone got the victory that they wanted, which is what people remember, the celebration, sure. but the match itself it wasn't good. was pretty freaking awful. It was booked pretty badly, and I'm not sure it was booked badly because uh, Daniel Bryan was maybe too tired or hurt, but the fact of the matter is, heel versus heel does not work. It saps the energy and heat out of everything, and the first five to ten minutes of the match... They throw Daniel Bryan out of the ring, and then it's Batista versus Orton, and the crowd couldn't care less. They couldn't care less. And we were watching, like, what are they doing? Yeah. The, the you crowd, never start a match like that. The crowd was pretty much silent. Uh, there was, like, no buzz, no heat, no anything. Um, then, they, you know, they're wrestling outside the ring, and then there was that, just that disastrously bad uh dangerous spot yeah the 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 batista bomb to the yeah, so uh, they, the rko so they tried to do the spot on two tables uh two announced tables they had three set up they had a french spanish and the english but they forgot one of the monitors yeah so i actually thought for a second that daniel bryan was injured for real just because orton was injured for real so what so batista goes to powerbomb daniel bryan and then they try to catch him in a, basically a neck breaker a reverse uh you know uh rko on bryan as he comes out on the announce table except it looked like, from our perspective, that Brian could have hit his head on one of the monitors that didn't get out of the way. And I, it turns out that Orton smashed his back against it and had a big gash in his back. I was never concerned that Brian was actually hurt, because I didn't see any contact. What I was concerned about was Orton's back, because that was the obvious point of contact. And uh, from, my, from my angle, I couldn't tell. I, I no, honestly couldn't. I, 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 so, so all in all, it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a poorly done spot uh, 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 during the main event at Mania, and that's never a good call. It was bad for two reasons. One, 
it, it looked like someone was hurt. Whether it was supposed to be, whether it was planned for one of them to be hurt, or where they actually were, someone looked like they were legitimately hurt, and it looked like Orton was legitimately hurt. But again, because he his back had a gash and blood coming out. Yeah. Um, you don't blade your back. That that no, blood is no. there because someone screwed up. So they do a paramedic spot, which I always hate if it's if it's uh, fake. I always hate that. I hate when they do that. Um, but it was dumb because it, it killed the match for like 10 minutes. Yeah. It killed the match, and then you had Batista sitting there either looking like he didn't know if he actually killed someone or, you know what I mean, if it was part of the story. And so if it was, here's, here's why it's stupid. Logically, it should have been either some sort of weird count-out or DQ, or Batista rolls one of the guys in like Brian, who the paramedics tend to, and gets the victory. That's what logically would make sense. So it, it, the match fell apart from me right there. It stopped making any sort of sort of logical structural sense at that point. Yeah, no, it was just it was stilted and slow. It was slow during the beginning, then the horrible spot goes on, and then it's slow again. Um, the reason I was waving my hands around just now is not. You're, you're I, I don't actually dis- chicken arms really. Yeah, well, I'm doing this now. No, I'm not before. <laughs> I'm comfortable. I need it's my armrest. Um, Batista. Oh, man, if they ever bring Batista back, that's going to oh, be... Oh, he's around. He's under contract. For how long? I think it's a year or two. He's there. He's not going to be going away. The, the thing, the problem is... is He can't wrestle. When, no, he can't <laughs> wrestle. He's awful. But when he came out, the look in Batista's eyes wasn't the look of a fake heel. It was the look of, I hate this. I hate that I decided to do this. No one likes me. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And that's just what I got from Batista the whole match. It wasn't an act that I got from Batista. It was that he just didn't want it to It was the, I, I made a big mistake by deciding to come back. Because I don't think, well, so like he, Batista, I don't think, realized that the era of the big man died before he got big the first time, or before he came yeah. in the first well, time. Well, he's been gone since, what, 2009, 2010. He's been gone for four years. He's in his mid-40s now. He's 45. He looks visibly older. Yes. Like, he look, he's visibly smaller because now they test for uh, for performance-enhancing drugs. So his big gimmick before that, he was huge and muscular. He's still muscular, but not to the extent that that's how he stands out. Especially when you have guys like Cesaro that are legitimately stronger than him. Yeah. You know, or guys like Cena that are bigger and can at least wrestle a good match. He can't. So he has absolutely nothing going for him. He screws up his promos. He stutters over his lines when he comes out and does the backstage stuff. He He's a dinosaur now. He's officially time right. passed. That, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. When he came into the WWE, it was F at that point, it whatever. Was, it was it was he, he, was, he was still... It was, he was still a tough sell then. Like, I mean, I remember watching with friends and being like, this, they're trying to introduce a type of wrestler that is very quickly becoming unpopular. Sure. And they're still trying to push him as that type of wrestler that no one gives a shit about. The era of a Kevin Nash, big boot, powerbomb finish type of wrestler, which is basically what Batista was. I mean, that, that era is long gone. No one, no one wants to see it. It's not, it's not exciting. It's not fun. He has no charisma, and I feel like as time well, goes on... Oh, he has charisma, but it's not mu- enough to make up for his other lack of English skills. I don't feel like he does. I don't feel like he can promo. I don't feel like he can do anything. And I, what I'm interested in seeing, not really interested, but what's going to be weird to see is as the crowd more and more turns on him, not because he's playing a good heel, but because he just doesn't... Oh, there he did that. He sucks. No, I know, I know. I'm just saying it's, it's getting worse and worse. I'm interested in seeing how he reacts. He's going to get X-Pac heat, which was the a- a- apathetic heat, yes. where they don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. They don't they don't dislike your character, like they, like how they dislike Randy Orton for being a heel. They, they dislike just, you because they dislike you. They dislike you because, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You know, and even the casual fan can feel that difference. 
where it's just the worst thing, the worst reaction a wrestler can have is to have no reaction. On a quick note, I actually don't mind Randy Orton. Um, he no, he's a, fine. He was another dude who came in when I wasn't watching along with Cena, but I've seen a couple matches with Orton in it, and he's got some charisma, decent moveset, decent wrestling, not the best, but can definitely be carried to some good matches. Um, he puts on a good match. Yeah, I, I'd be interested in going back and checking out some of the Orton matches that I've missed. Sure. No, he, he's he's a good heel. Um, he was a good, he was a face for a while, but he, he makes he makes a better heel. Um, the, the problem with Orton is that just like with Cena, those two have been champion a billion times combined over the past eight nine years, and so it's it's just boring by now. Yeah, their their fire's gone. I it's gone. Yeah, yeah. And, they, they, and they actually had another Orton Cena match last year, and I think it had to be the twelfth match they had together, like one on one, combining pay per view and Raw the past like seven years. It's just like it's just enough. Yeah, and that's what it is. is people are just tired of it, the same old thing. So. We go to the end of the match after the really dangerous spot that I'm, I'm glad that no one got seriously hurt because I really couldn't tell, honestly. I would not have been a surprise if, if Brian called me a mark. I, I'm I, calling I, you a mark. I, I, I honestly thought for a second that someone was seriously hurt. I really did. No, I, 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 I really thought that Brian had a chance because it looked like his head hit the monitor. The monitor... You, you give me that look. The mono was like a foot from his head. I'm just saying. I thought someone was injured. I didn't think it was Brian. I thought it was. I thought it was. But Brian. you realize how close the monitor was to his head sure. coming down. Sure. If, if, his, if his head hit that, it was. It was bad. It would have been. If not a concussion, he could have been killed. Right. Well, let's take it, it was back home. Yeah, back to we'll take it home. Uh, so, regular triple threat match ending where one guy does a finish with the other gets broken up. Next guy does a finish with the other gets broken up. Finally, Orton's out of the ring. You get the flying knee to uh, from uh, from uh, Daniel Bryan to Batista. Locks in the yes lock, which is a crippler cross face. Gets the victory. Bryan celebrates. Crowd goes through the fucking roof, like what should have happened, you know, at the, at the Rumble when Bryan should have won. But they made up for it. They saw the error of their ways. WWE. They booked the right ending. They fixed it. Bryan's the champion. Hopefully, gets like at least a five month, you know, run with the title to SummerSlam. So you know. here's this is what I want. I said I was going to touch on later when we got to the main event. I'm glad Bryan won. Glad people like Cesaro getting pushes. I'm glad that we might see a new page turning here with wrestling. The, the Wyatts are big. The Wyatts now, are big. The Shield are big. But uh, now we got to see who's going to be like the next round of champions. Who's going to be the next round of people who remember? Because here's the thing: I really like Daniel Bryan. I, I liked him when I watched him in the Indies. I don't know if he's charismatic enough to be a long-term champion. I feel like him winning the belt was kind of not the beginning of the story, but kind of the end. Like, you know, like, here's the happy ending. Like, if it was a movie, that's where it would have ended. That wouldn't be the middle. Do you, um, know, do you get what I'm saying? I mean, he's going to have a good run. He's a good wrestler. People like him, but I just, I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to keep this this momentum going and this crowd reaction going because I have yet to really see a whole lot of charisma from the guy. And that's how I felt about him in Indies. Great wrestler, not really charismatic. I think it's enough. Uh, it's the same sort of thing with Bret Hart. Bret Hart never had a huge amount of charisma. But he got... Uh, no, he didn't. Bret Hart... He had a good amount, but I mean, it wasn't like through the roof world... Ch- he got through because through his hard work and good matches, he got over and Daniel Bryan's gotten through the, gotten over the same way. I see... The, the, same other- exact, the same exact sort of rise up almost. Like, Bret Hart was a guy they threw into like those early Royal Rumbles and he'd last a while and then he would just put on good matches and all of a sudden here's a guy that slowly comes on and Daniel Bryan I thought was the same sort of thing except except Daniel Bryan was 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 the was the world heavyweight champion a couple of years ago I would, know, so he got that but not the WWE championship I would compare Bryan less to someone like um Bret Hart and more to someone like a uh, Malenko or oh no people are or 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 or, 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 or 
or Benoit. Malenko but, had zero mic skills at all. Yeah. Ryan has some. Even Benoit but, has some. He has more mic skills than, than Benoit does. Yes. Well, yeah, so, yeah. but I'm, all I'm saying is he's going to get by most of the wrestling. And he's a lot older than Benoit ever was. Sure. When, when Benoit won at WrestleMania 20, it was a big deal, but not even close I guess all this. I'm saying is, is wrestlers who get by on the wrestling skills, which is what I like, unfortunately, I don't see them faring well in mainstream I, WWE. I thought Bret Hart got by mostly on his wrestling skill when he was champion. I really do. His, he never had the best promos ever. He did. Well, we'll see. They were I, average, or I, a little better than average. I, I'm, I'm happy that this is the slate we're starting with, but yeah, I just want to see I, what, what the, happens but, uh, next. Again, though, he's the most popular wrestler they've had since The Rock. He's more popular than even Cena was at, at, at his at his highest. That's that that says a lot, and you yeah. can go a long way with that. You can. Uh, when Benoit won WrestleMania 20, he was only champ for like two three months. They realized that was the end of his story. They gave it to him. It was a cool story at the time, but long term. <laughs> I guess you know he was an older guy at the time. Benoit uh, Brian's a younger guy. Brian, I think Brian's like thirty two, thirty three. So it's, it's time. It was his time. Well, I yeah. guess uh, yeah. No, I, what I'm saying is I feel like I'm, I want to see what happens because I feel like so much of the crowd reaction for him was this is an underdog story everyone can get. Well, of course, behind. that's a part of it, and that's and always now, the best story. Yeah. Well, he's not the underdog anymore. Do you get what I'm saying? Like he won. But, I want to see what but happens. Shawn Michaels was the underdog, and he had long uh, championship runs that were successful. That's fair. To an extent, Bret Hart was an underdog, but he still beat Yokozuna. You yeah. know what I mean? Look, I, I, I want this it. for Brian. I do. I, I, I want to see what's going to happen. He's the face of the company now, both the storyline and you know, he, it's it's how much that. Now that now they're not that they're stuck with it, but they didn't want to do this in the in the fall with them and at the summer sun, they didn't want to put all their marbles into them. Now they have to. Because the fan support's there. You saw the reaction. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen a reaction like yes. that in a crowd? And how long has it been? Mm-hmm. So you saw a reaction like that. Where everyone in the crowd in unison is going, yes. All whatever there was, sixty thousand years. People. I mean, but like I said, this is my, this is the, this is also the first pay-per-view I've watched in 15 okay. years. So I don't, I don't have a lot of reference. Okay, well, my reference is me then. Because yeah. even when Benoit won a WrestleMania 20, it was it was big, but you know, this this is bigger than that. Because again, he can... He's, there's going to be a star I, I did see that. I'm sorry, 10 years. Yeah, it was, it was been... I mean, it's probably been since 20. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, they're, they're setting up for sort of a corporation versus champion thing with the Shield helping out Daniel Bryan on, on Raw. On Monday, so that's the direction they're going. Everyone, everyone gets lifted up. You know, you have the young versus old, so the young get the chance to shine. And so there you go. They corrected their error of having Batista come back and drain all the energy out of all of us by winning the Rumble and potentially losing everyone for because I would have did a ban. I would have I've done year bans before in wrestling, where I was like, I'm not watching for like a year. <laughs> you know, I'll see you at the Rumble, guys. I'm not sure what would have. <laughs> I'm not sure what set me off, but I'm sure there was probably a match or a pay per view that set me off, and I was like, I'm done. You're done. I remember yeah. with WCW, it was when Hogan and Flair fought in a cage. It was a 2000 pay per view. Oh, yeah, that was that was when I was done with WCW. You know, I think I only I, missed one pay per view. I, I think I was just about I was just about done when the finger poke of doom happened oh, in yeah. early in early '99. That was pretty much the death knell sure. of WCW. From there, that was a downward spiral. Anyway, moving on from wrestling. Actually, we're not moving on. No. So they're talking about something that, that happened, unfortunately, uh, two nights ago. Oh, actually, it was one night ago. It was Tuesday night. Uh, the passing of, of uh, Ultimate Warrior. Used to be uh, uh, James Helwig. We changed his name legally to Warrior. Um, it, it, it didn't affect me to, to quite the same extent that when Randy Savage died, because I loved Randy Savage so much more. I think I cried when Savage died. Same. It affected, it, how much it affected me. But it still affected me for a few reasons. One... He was outcast literally from the WWE since like '96. Cast aside, and it, when he was either mentioned or brought up, it was always in a disparaging way. 
they came out with a fucking DVD in 2005, the, the rise and destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. They came out with a DVD just to trash the guy. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. He actually sued him for, for uh, like slander or libel. I'm not sure if he won. I think he lost it. Yeah, but There was very little rise and a whole lot of... Fall. Yeah, he wasn't really good in the ring, and he disrespected everyone, and he was, and he didn't love the business, and just all this shit that you, even if some of that was true, why make a DVD about? You know what I mean? Like, what what were they getting out of that? You know what I mean? Like, he hadn't been seen in WWE for for nine years at that point. Like, why would you even do a DVD like that? You know what I mean? Because they had the rights to, and it was a money maker. And at that point in time, it was very, um, it was very much the thing to hate on the warrior. It was, and, and, and I'm going to come clean. I've never been uh, an Ultimate Warrior fan, mm-hmm. uh, just based on like ring work and, 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 and his his character. I always thought he was too over the top, too superhero-y, too comic booky. Um, but I realized that that's also fun, and a lot of people enjoyed that at the time. That's what worked, though, too. Yeah, the sure. superhero sort of thing. Uh, and and he got by on a lot of charisma. He did, uh, which would total charisma. charisma. Yeah, total charisma. I mean, which, made by, which made up for all of his best arguably the, the the biggest charisma of any guy you've ever seen in, in wrestling. How much he oozed it. You know but I mean? he was important. Um, I did something that I haven't done in probably Jesus twenty years. Last night, and that was after you know finding out that he died. I watched Hogan. Um, Warrior WrestleMania six, which is a good match. You know what? It's a good match. It's a good. I will. Good I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go on the record now saying that two of my least favorite in ring workers put on a match that I really enjoyed watching. It was. It was fun, and it proves that. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's a weird comparison, but just like Hogan Rock Mania, you can if if the build up, if the heat, if the excitement for a match is big enough. You can put on a very basic wrestling match and have it come off as something so much more. So, so yeah. Um, Ultimate Warrior to me, uh, I'm trying to think back when I was watching then. If I, I liked, I liked him. I, I can't remember if I, if I ever thought he was better than Hogan, but at least he was something different than Hogan. Because ever since I was like five, Hogan was the, you know, the big dog. So it's nice to see someone else come in. And he, the tor- torch was passed, at least at the time, WrestleMania six sure. in, in, in 1990, it was passed. Um, and it was a good match. And they worked their asses off. And they told a good story in Ring Story. The announcing was great with Ventura and yep. Hill Monsoon. Everything was there. Um, and that's why it's a shame that, you know, he was the biggest guy in the company for like maybe a year and a half, two years. Yep. Or a year. He was huge when he was the IC champ beforehand when he, when he beat Honky Tonk Man, who had it for like a year that summer before. I think it was in 89 uh, when he won it, uh, Warrior. And so. To, to, to have a guy in, in your company be the biggest guy for like two years and then come back, he came back, then he left the company over a dispute, then came back like six months later, then he came back again in 96. He, had, he's, he was memorable, one of the most memorable guys ever. To try to shit on him afterwards just because you don't personally like him for whatever reason, that, I hate revisionist history with that. I just can't stand it. Right. And plus, he doesn't get a chance to tell his side of it. So, which is why, again, it, I'm not sure how it happened. I, I credit, maybe credit Triple H. Because Triple H is the guy that got Bruno San Martino to come back for the Hall of Fame, you know, last year. No one ever thought that would happen after San Martino yeah. slammed Vince McMahon publicly about the steroids and the, and the vulgarity of the Attitude Era product. They got San Martino back, which is what they should have done. So they get Warrior back for a Hall of Fame induction, which is deserved. I do feel that. You know, he did more, not, maybe not a compiler, but just for his runs of like four years, five years, huge. Um, Wrestling is as much about the presence as it is the in-ring action and like yeah. I said he was I don't like him as a worker and I didn't even so much like his charisma but I respect it I understand why he got over and just for his his presence and his character 
And he worked he, hard. Yeah, and he deserved to be in there. And he worked hard. It's not, some, sometimes a guy working hard can be almost right. enough to, to work, get you that spot. Being a good worker and working hard are two different things. You can work really hard and still not put on a fantastic match, but that's respectable. At, yes. least, you're not, at least you're not phoning it in. The fact that you can say he had a, a two or three extremely good matches at a pay-per-view, his match against Randy Savage at WrestleMania 7, yep. is a very good match. Oh, we talked about that. I, I know you just yeah. like the ending, but it's still, it still tells it's, a story. It's a good, and match. It's a good match. No, it, it, like I said, and, it's, a, it's a fun one. And he had a very good feud with, with uh, uh, Rick Rude. That I don't know. Over the IC belt. So, I don't know. When I... So when, let me just get back to the why it's important. So, obviously, he just did the, he did the Hall of Fame speech just on Saturday. It was like a 35-minute speech. And he was there, not entirely, but to kind of... He did show how hurt he was over the DVD. Because mm-hmm. he honestly th- thought that it was a hatch job. You said it was. I've seen a good chunk of that DVD. I, as much as I respect Bobby the Brain Heenan, I, I don't like how he just buries Warrior every chance he gets. I, I just never understood that. I'm not sure if he did something... Maybe he dropped Heenan the wrong way once on a Gorilla Press slam. Maybe he was a little dangerous. Right. But there's a difference between that and saying a guy hates the business and that's what it seemed like Warrior was very hurt about because Warrior talked about uh, him in the territories and when he came up with Steve Borden's thing in the in the mid to late 80s how they respected all the veterans for being there and accepting them into, into, the, into the fold and from all the stories you hear about Sting that's true no one has a bad thing to say about Sting at all right. in the business and I, I no one's Sting's never called out uh Jim Helwig or Warrior for being a bad guy. He always said, yeah, we, we came up, we were fine together. So I think a lot of it was either jealousy or the fact that maybe they thought Warrior didn't pay his dues in the late 80s to get to the spot where he was at. But my thing always was, was here's a guy that, yeah, he wasn't the most talented, but he put a ton of work, obviously, into his physique, which probably probably killed him, yeah. you know, after the fact. I mean, let's be honest. Even he was probably doing something... Performance enhancing, whether it was steroids or something uh, else. Yes, but because he was absolutely huge. No, he, you, he had the. He, you don't get that size. Him and Rick Rude had the best bodies in wrestling at the time. It's arguably who had the better one. They, but they both were enormously cut. And even if you don't use performance enhancing drugs, which they probably did, your heart is, cannot take those huge muscles over extended period of time. You, the, the body is not built to have muscles that your body can't support. Yeah. So that comes back to haunt you, as it has for so many wrestlers that have died in their forties and Jim. Or the warrior died when he was 54. So, I think what happened was he got into a spot where Vince saw that he, this is the next big guy. Hogan's been our top guy for like seven years. It's time to move on. And Hogan wanted to move on and do movies and TV and try something else. So, they picked they picked Warrior to, to do it, which was a, the best pick at the time to, to choose. And I think people were jealous of it. And the people, maybe they thought the way uh, Warrior was backstage, they thought he was aloof or whatever. And because of that, they trash him after he leaves, which is a shame because I said he was actually kind of hurt by it. And again, I think I texted you. There's no way if Warrior was such an awful guy backstage, there's no way in hell he would have got to the spot that he got to. There's but no way. My other thing is a, a, a twist. It, it just on, doesn't happen. A twist on what you said. If he was really as bad as they had said he was, if he was really as dangerous, if he was really as bad, um, things would not have been patched up so easily for him to come back. That too. That's that's how I feel. You you wouldn't have brought someone back who was genuinely dangerous. You wouldn't have brought someone back. I mean, even though the fans would want to see it, I mean, we've seen the back. I mean, we've seen what happens with back dealings at WWE before. Yeah, Th- he would not have been brought back for this if there wasn't at least a little bit of exaggeration or fabricating and a little bit of mea culpa on WWE's part. Sure, 
Sure, I, I think Vince probably realized, hey, I, I probably probably crossed the line with that DVD. Yeah, I, like like big time. They probably took. The, I remember. I, I think. I think they took a lot of people's uh, interview stuff out of context because, like, with Jericho, it's funny. You see some of the same interview footage recorded like ten years back. I remember with Jericho. Uh, he said something like, yeah, then you got to the ring, and then there goes all the, the fun, basically. Then it, then they use the same sort of sit-down to promote Warrior, saying, yeah, he comes to the ring, and he's all charismatic and running, and you know what I mean? And I'm, it's I'm just sure, like... I'm sure they picked and chose. But again, for Hogan to cleanly drop the belt to someone, I, I don't even know, I can't even think of more than like two, three guys that Hogan has lost cleanly to. I looked it up last night, I don't remember who it was, but it's something like... Depending on what your definition about, of a clean about, drop is, there's like six. There's like six. And I'm talking obviously before it. he won the title in '83. I'm talking before yeah. that. Yeah. Is it like six guys really? I think it's like it's like it was like six to twelve, depending on your definition. Six of to a twelve clean matches drop. or six to twelve guys even. Guys. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, we're talking. I'm trying to think. What maybe maybe Angle was one when he did his run in 2003. I, I don't know. But I mean, like, I don't think Hogan would have done that with some guy he didn't respect or didn't like. And I know Hogan and Warrior have had a feud on and off the past 15 years afterwards, but again, I just don't see it happening. I don't see Vince putting the belt and making the guy the face of the company that was dangerous and disrespectful to the business. I don't think the other wrestlers would have stand, st- stood for it. Guys like DiBiase that were there at the time, guys like Harley Race that were there, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have went for I don't think so again and, and Warrior did address that he, but he also addressed the fact that people got on me for living my gimmick which always people got on for but he said hey if it worked for me in the ring I thought it worked for myself in real life and to an extent I guess it did that's why he wanted to live his life by that sort of code the Warrior code is it goofy yeah but it's nice to have some sort of code to live by I guess you know and I, I, well that's the thing that, that was you know, I, mean? you know, you know it, it's, I, feel, I feel like they almost didn't like him for being a weirdo, and if there, and I mean that in a nice way, I mean that in like a sarcastic way, because if there was one thing I did kind of like about the Warrior was that he was that guy outside of the ring. Yes, he he embodied that. Yeah, spirit. He lived it. He lived it. He loved it. And that's the other thing. You, you know, they say he doesn't like the business. Uh, you have to take the business. I mean, the business has got to be a pretty big part of you if you take your in-ring gimmick and kind of live your life by it. Yeah, and he gave credit to, he brought up all the, he, he talked about all the guys that helped train him in his speech, all the territories he started with, the Von Erickson, everyone else. I mean, he gave credit during his speech. He didn't come up there and was arrogant and said, no, I did this all myself. He gave credit where credit was due. And so again, I don't see that from a guy who didn't like the business. You know, again, he said that me and like Steve Borden, we were we, we, we were respectful that we were honored that these old these guys that were there, they led us into what they loved and so that we can be a part of it. And he even brought up, he wanted an award. He For five, ten minutes, he went off on the fact that the guys that make this work are the guys putting up the ring every night. They're, they're, they get no sleep. They shower during during the matches. They, they bring the ring down. They drive all the way during the night. They get a cheeseburger and two Pepsis, is that what he said? They put the ring up and they, they live their lives like that and they still come up to us, to the restaurant and say, hey, do you need anything? And Warrior's like, do, do I need anything? <laughs> you know, like that's, again, that's right. not a guy who hates the business. Right. He respects what people are putting into it. And so much so that he actually said, we need we need some sort, we have a celebrity wing, how about we have a wing that we honor the guys, that like the technicians and the guys that, that you know, put up the ring and Where's that? Why aren't we celebrating those yeah, guys? Honor, honor the guy who's been doing it for a decade, you know? If you talk about a guy who, who who would literally in his car drive from arena to arena and sell merchandise out of his car and always do it with a smile on his face, and he wants the award and end it for the guy in the escapes right now. 
I, that to me is so just honorable that he no one's ever no no wrestler that's been in the Hall of Fame does has ever even mentioned anything like that. Right. That shows what type of guy he was. That to try to bury someone like that that's a shame. And so he was he was visibly hurt, but the crowd was still hanging on every word. The crowd was yelling for one more match, and he said, "No, I know my time has passed." And obviously, I, maybe he knew his time was coming to an end. Unfortunately, I did watch you know, his his raw speech. Awfully fitting, like just I mean. Sad. I mean, in, in retrospect, his raw speech, which was brief and nice, and uh, but he looked physically pained. Yeah. I he mean, looked- he looked like he was not physically well. I mean, he. I mean, I, I hate to say it. I mean, he looked like a guy who was ready to keel over when he was getting well, out of that ring. Here's here's a quote from his speech. Which it's yeah. I, I don't know if he knew his time was up. Let's end on this because it doesn't. Yeah. There's not much more to say. I know the quote. Every man's heart one day beats its final beat, his lungs breathe their final breath, and if what that man did in his life makes the blood pulse through the body of others and makes them believe deeper in something larger than life, then his essence, his spirit, will be immortalized. I mean, it's poignant, it's true, and, you know, I'm very glad he got a chance to come back and and at least say that to the fans, and then, you know, less than a day later, he's gone, probably from some sort of heart attack. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I would like to think that he got to do it at peace, you know, as yeah. opposed to with all yeah, these loose ends. I mean, he made up with Vince, guys like Kevin Nash, he made up with, and so... Perfect timing. There you go. So, uh, Warrior, uh, gone. I, I loved you as a kid. I used you in WrestleFest. You and Mr. Perfect were the wrestlers I always used in my tag team. And uh, thanks for the memories. Yeah. Honestly. Very entertaining. I immediately, uh, after watching Hogan... Uh, Warrior, I turned on my WWE 2K14, grabbed Warrior, and made him the champ. I figured, <laughs> made him the champ, and I'm like, I'll just let that run through my universe for a while until I find someone to beat him. Just, I'm like, fuck it, I'll just put the belt on him. Grill press everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I did. I just grill press someone for like five minutes, and that's the best tribute we can have. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's move on to. Um, you want to talk about... Yeah, real quick, uh, just, I hate these, the fact that we've been doing these obituary segments. It's not been a good year for things, no. but, um, personally, I'm very much into pinball. That's probably come through on the podcast, or if you've seen me on videos or panels, or if you've talked to me online, I'm very much into pinball. Pat enjoys it, too. Uh, a huge, uh, pinball designer passed away today after a lengthy, uh, fight with cancer. His name was Python Angelo. Okay. And the thing about Pinball is, you remember the games, but you you don't remember the people behind them. Um, Arcade games were like that back in the 80s, too. And it's only been recently that people have started to really pay attention to designers. The thing Python Angelo is, you may not know the name, but you'll definitely know some of his tables. Uh, He designed Pinbot, which is iconic. Uh, Bride of Pinbot, which is iconic. Taxi, widely considered one of the best Williams tables of the era. Um, He made Comet. Cyclone, uh, part of the theme park, um, the theme park run of tables that was that that, that Williams did. So between Pinbot series, uh, Fishtails, which I like, Fishtails. Well, yeah, he did some work, some of the work on Fishtails. Um, the man was a legend, and uh, he didn't just do pinball. Um, he was one of the key guys behind Joust. Uh, he did work in the video game division at Williams for a while too. So, uh, he was a sound recordist for Sinistar. Yep, really. Yeah. So Python Angelo had a lot of uh, influence in pinball. Um, he was one of the guys to really start 
incorporating fun toys and gimmicks in 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 uh, meaningful ways. Um, starting with Comet and the million point shot to the transformation of the face on Bride of Pinbot that turned into a billion point shot. You know, with the rotating cube that made the four different faces. Um, I don't know, just a fantastic design, and there's not a whole lot more that I can say. But uh, you know. If you've got an arcade knee with some pinball, if you've got pinball arcade, fire it up. Play some taxi. Play some pinbot. You know, really look at what made a well-designed table because I'm not I'm not trying to dog anyone. Stern's put out some decent stuff in past years. But when you compare true, truly good pinball design from its heyday to what we have now, uh, you appreciate it a bit more. And it's sad to see, uh, you know, someone like this, you know, pass away. So that, that's really all. That's really all I have to say about that. Very badass name too. Oh yeah, and I mean that's his real name, P- Python Vladimir. I believe it's Vladimir. Vladimir. Python Vladimir Angelo from Romania, like from Transylvania. Transylvania, Romania. I mean, the, the, and the guy, the guy looked like a big, lovable guy too. And from what I've heard, people, you know, said that he was a, you know, a, you know, fun to work with. So, yeah, I mean, he hasn't worked in pinball in years, but you know, he'll be missed. All right. Look, 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 like, well, did he actually? Was he? Was he the voice in Sinistar? I don't know if he was the it's voice. Sound record. I'm looking for a. That'd be great if he was the actual voice. I live. Psst, I don't know. Anyway, all right. We're going to talk about real quick about a couple more things. Um, just going to touch on Smash Brothers, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, they had their Nintendo Direct, which is you know the little online sort of showing of. Yep, Nintendo products. And they had one for Smash Brothers, for the new Smash Brothers coming out on Wii U in winter, they announced, and 3DS in the summer, which is surprising. I thought they'd be the same time. Um, I'm not sure what the strategy is there or what. It ensures people buy both. Sure, but you think the Wii U needs bigger help to get that one out first or sooner. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but I, I mean, at this point, I almost wonder if Nintendo is just. They know it's over for the Wii U, or yeah, I mean, I, you know, people have 3DSs in their hands now. So they Maybe might, they're thinking people buy it for the 3DS, really excited. enjoy it, and then go and decide that at that point, maybe, oh, okay. maybe following a price drop that they want a Wii U so they can sure. play the console. Well, I always said that it really be the death or, or or savior to see how when when Mario Kart comes out and Smash, yeah, and those are the two on the horizon this year. So hopefully. If that doesn't save it, then it's over. Then it's over. I'll admit that, yeah, it's over. There'll be two full years of the system out this this winter. You know, then we'll see what happens. Someone so. pointed out, I think it was on Twitter, and I didn't fact check it, but I wouldn't doubt it, that I think it was as of today or as of yesterday, the Wii U is as old as the Dreamcast was when the Dreamcast got shit-canned, and the Wii U has sold half as many units as the Dreamcast. That's not good. If that's if that's true, <laughs> if that's true, like I said, I didn't fact check it, but you know, it was a, it was widely circulated. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But it, but it, it's also not, it's also a testament to Nintendo's pockets. Oh yeah, you know they well, they can afford that. Sega couldn't afford plus that. Plus, they're offset by the 3DS market, which really, yeah. you know, they're, they're making tons of money there. So anyway, Smash so, Brothers. So Smash Brothers. So the thing about Smash Brothers that always bothered me was the fact that some people play quote unquote hardcore competitive, meaning they play it without items at all, so no randomness at all, and they play it on these boring-ass flat levels with no platforming or any sort of danger. And it always bothered me just because, to me, that's not what Smash Brothers is. The reason that Smash Brothers is differentiated from all the other fighting games is the fact that it did have a degree of whimsical fun and it had a degree of randomness that made the game exciting and unpredictable. That's, what to me, what the selling point was. I agree. And, and, and okay, So whenever Evo 
every year it's played you know the big fighting tournament i always remark how i can't stand it and i do try i actually do try watching it the, these one-on-one uh smash brothers melee games or brawl i think they it's melee they still use melee it's, yeah brawl is kind of, brawl's brawl is technically unfair because there's randomized tripping involved yeah okay so either way so i'm watching these matches and it's just it's, smash brothers is not designed as a game where unlike other fighting games where you have dozens and dozens of moves and combos, and Smash, Smash Brothers, you get like 10 moves or less, and you get like two or three combos that you work through. On top of using all the weapons and Pokeballs and mines and everything that makes the game incredibly fun. So to, to try to have it, to try to structure it as a one-on-one fighting game, to me, it's, it, obviously there's skill involved, but it's a shallow experience to, to look at to me and watch. That just because it's the same moves over and over again, and it just comes down to all it comes down to is just the timing of who gets out their first move to maybe uh, you know get them off the cliff real quick, and then whatever that's I don't even know what it's even called or bounce them around in a combo, you know it, it, it's it's just okay. I don't like it. Here's my thing. <laughs> I have I actually have no problem with people playing it that way. If if you want to, I mean, you know, to use a term, it's sort of like emergent gameplay. That's fine. If you want to find a game and find another game that you can play within that game, fine. If you want to take that game seriously, you can. Hmm. My pro- my problem... But that's the whole point. You say take it seriously. What, how is it difference between items gone taking it seriously versus the way the game was designed? How is no, that not taking no, it seriously? Them taking it seriously. To if them. they, they okay. want to take it seriously, that's fine. Let me talk. If they want to take it seriously, <laughs> that's fine. My problem with it is not so much the fact that there are people who play it that way. It's the... I find Smash Brothers to be kind of annoying all around because it's this constant cyclical attitude. It's it's people who say that people who want to play it the way that they deem is tournament friendly can't because playing it with the items is the better way. Now, it's the more fun way. It's the way I play. But it's, it's this constant argument. And then it's my big problem with people who play it competitively is their attitude. Their attitude sucks. A lot of the competitive Smash Brothers players I've met act like they are playing it the only way that it's meant to be played when they are playing it with no weapons, Final Destination. When they take it that seriously that they're acting like anyone who plays it with items, with weapons... They're taking taking the emergent part of it and then making it something different. Yeah. When when the competitive side constantly trashes and acts like they're better than the non-competitive side, that really annoyed me. The problem is, is over time, the non-competitive side has started to do the same thing to the competitive side, and I just find it to be this huge, awful nerd rage battle but this is but, fucking but here, dumb But here's shit. the issue, though. Maybe it's because the quote-unquote com- hardcore com- uh, tournament fighters have taken that stance. Why, why can't there be uh, both both modes in tournaments. Why why is it only one or the other? People say, "Well, there's randomness involved with with uh, the items." There's randomness involved in lots of of sporting and card games. Uh, Texas Hold'em is hugely popular. Randomness is a good chunk of Texas Hold'em. There is there is skill involved in Texas Hold'em. You can alter the outcome by how you bet, when you fold, uh, when you raise, but you can still get fucked over by a bad beat. Same thing with Smash Brothers. Why can't that? Why can't we have one fighting game where randomness is a part of the competitive nature? Wouldn't that be like sort of like the 
then when you win, it's like, I won. I had some luck on my side. Maybe I turned this tie with some luck. To me, that's just as, as exciting. Quite and simple. that's why poker, that's why people love poker. Yeah. If poker was just ABC, no one would watch it if there wasn't any randomness involved. Yes, but quite simply, I just don't think that the tournament scene in Smash Brothers wants it. I think the people who play it for fun, who play it casually, don't give a shit about tournaments. And the people who don't, the people who do play it competitively, well, that's the only way they'd want to play it. Do you that's get what I'm saying? I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I do see I, that. I, I don't just, think there's a market. You're saying it's just the mindset that a competitive player would never want it to be anything but yes. boring one-on-one, no yes. items, boring level. Yeah. You know. Honestly, Smash Brothers is one of those games that, and I, I, I hate to say it because I know it's not a good thing and I'll get shit for this, Smash Brothers is ruined for me largely by the fans on both sides of the coin. Okay. It really is. So you don't want to get into it because of that. I it, think it's fun it, as hell. It, 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 it's an right. annoying, pointless debate on both sides. Am I going to buy it for the 3DS? Yeah. Is Vani going to buy it? Yep. Are we going to play it? Sure. <laughs> is it going to be fun? Yes. But talking about Smash Brothers is one of those things that makes my fucking skin prickle. Okay, it's going to prickle some more. So basically, the, the reason why I don't like that they're, the new Smash Brothers are going to have two different separate play modes. For fun, which is the way you'd expect it to be, where you can have items... You know, you can have random level selection. Uh, they're going to keep track of your wins, not losses, or for glory, which I hate even just that the sound of that, which makes it sound like the for fun is shit and lower than for glory. And so for glory is the competitive mode that they've added in where you get your final destination map, you get no items, and, and it tracks your win losses. It just rubs you the wrong way that it's, I not, think, it's not that they're kowtowing to the competitive players, but now they've created an artificial rift in the two sides. You could always play the way you wanted to play before, quote-unquote, with the immersion side, where, okay, we'll just turn off the items. We'll take a second turn off the items. We'll just not randomize it. We'll play the one level. We'll create your, quote-unquote, immersion competitive side. Now it's artificially split up by Nintendo directly. I don't think that's a big deal at all. I, I, it just I, I, rubs I, you the wrong way. I'm not saying... Obviously, competitive players now think it's awesome to have that. It rubs you the wrong way just because it now encourages what you're talking about, where now you're going to have two sparring enemies against or two groups of enemies sparring against I feel like Nintendo I the for the because it's called for the glory and because they've Nintendo's come out and said that they did not ever really intend the game to be played that way I feel like it's a tongue in cheek tongue in cheek simple mode that took them five minutes to slap together <laughs> that is going to make an entire set of their fans happy sure. while completely not touching anything that made Smash Brothers fine well that's true but then again why not have Wins and losses tracked on the for fun mode. I don't know. The fact that wins are tracked is probably enough. Okay. I I, I don't know. I just don't see this. Especially if if what I'm not you're saying, saying I hate it. I just said it runs it the wrong way. But, I just don't like the fact. But to that go back to what you said before, splitting. with with you know the playing it for fun um, and having fun with it. Then why do you care about stat tracking that deeply that you're upset that losses are, 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 are cut? Again, it's because it's differentiating the two types of players, which I don't think you should do. I've never heard of a game to that extent go out of its way to saying, this is the one type of player playing every game, and this is the other type of player. I really don't think it's... It, I it, never I shall mean, the two meet. It looks... It's just, it's just really weird. It looks like it, but all you're doing is picking a preset template. That's it. Okay. But again, there's going to be things missing one or the other. And then if they come out with DLC that one side gets one thing, the other player side doesn't, people are going to be pissed off. You know what I mean? It's just it's just wonky to me to even go down that road. Again, why don't you just keep it the way it was before where click on a button and turn off the items. There you go. You're set. You have your competitive mode the same way they played it in Melee. Why don't you just keep it like that? I, know? I, I don't know. I, feel- I do like the fact, though, that Nintendo's saying they are going to try to track cheating more and people that uh, manipulate, I guess, the glitches in the game. 
You know, so that's cool. The way they're going to do that. That that's or people that drop out. I hate fighting games online when people drop out when they're going to lose. To me, that should be an automatic loss. Yeah. But you know, but that's so that part's cool. I, so I, I, I retweeted a joke that Chris Kohler put out the other night that I thought was funny, and it was that it's awfully nice of Nintendo to split up the uh, Smash Brothers players into people who enjoy Smash Brothers and people who don't. Is how, <laughs> is, is how he described it. Um, and I think that's funny, and that is kind of my take that's on it. I don't like the competitive thing, but I really just don't care. If there's people who play competitively, as long as they stop acting like they're better than people who don't, and vice versa. Okay. I remember one time someone challenged me. Then we'll, we'll be done with this topic. Someone challenged me at Magfest, uh, to, Magfest 2010, 2011, a few years back. You know, it was just the N64, uh, you know, Smash. And some guy, I forget if he was a fan or not at the time. Three years ago, I, I didn't have a big fan base. I'm not saying I have a huge one now, but um, he said, "Yeah, let's play Smash." But I'm like, "Okay, I like playing." Then he insisted we turn off the items. Insisted we turn off. I'm just like, you sure? He's like, okay. He's like, yeah, we want to play competitive. We played it one on one, and holy shit, is it boring? Mm-hmm. And as I say, it was good. I beat on him. I beat him, but it's boring to me. I just don't like it. No, it you know, it's I, extremely I, limited. It, because again, it's okay. I'm going to be Mario. Let's, let's try to do a slide kick. Let's try to do your spinning attack and combo him into a headbutt and repeat the same three or four moves over and over again. And that's basically what it is. All right. That's all I'm going to say about it. People are going to hate us either way for our comments. People say, hey, why don't you just leave us alone? We want to play the game we want to. Or some, Ian, some, or, they'll say, they'll say Ian, you don't understand it. That's, you know, we got to crack down on the competitive player. So, Someone will accuse me of trying to impersonate Angry Joe. Or, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who the fuck these people are. Who's Angry Joe? I don't know who the nostalgia critic is. <laughs> There's, yeah. That's our mini podcast. Is that our, uh, our emergency it's session? Emergency session that... It's, it went like an hour, a little over an hour. Absolutely um, more than I expected. Oh, real quick. <laughs> what? This happened a few days ago. What? Um, this was revealed to me uh, on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, some guy on eBay was trying to sell 30 Earthbound carts at the same time. Fucking A. <laughs> and was, was, it's not that it's funny about it. It, it seems like now every month we're talking about repro labels and everything. So the guy had about 30 carts at once, which is not smart to begin with, because you know something's finish, fishy. I remember someone tweeting something about. I think it was. I think it was a retro gaming expo who tweeted it. Uh, was about like, hmm, this, did this guy really find thirty Earthbound carts in a storage locker? Because that's what he claimed. I think that he found his games in a storage locker, and it was thirty listings. About it could have been more than thirty. It was at least thirty. I remember I counted it up with the, with the same three pictures like cycled through. They were all fuzzy, but if you looked, if you knew what to look for, you could see a little bit of white writing on the bottom left, which means it probably says reproduction uh, on there. But f- unfortunately, a lot of the, these 30 games had bids on them already because who the hell, people aren't going to look for it unless they know what to look for. Right. So it goes back again to the whole reproduction labels fucking suck. Yes, they're awful. They suck. And even if you yeah, say reproduction label, which I'm actually for a little bit, okay, that's fine. It can still be misused. Yeah. And this is a prime example. And it's good that people rallied around and got all these taken down. But that's not to say in person that could happen. Or he can relist them on Craigslist and ship them out. You know what I mean? It's just bad goddamn news, is what I'm saying. And you're, you're, I'm talking to you people out there that you feel need that it's more important for me to have an awesome label without reproduction label on it versus the potential for it to be abused in a scam. Fuck off. Because this is what can happen. And this is what, and, and this happened with labels that say reproduction label on it, very small and blurry pictures. And this still happened. Imagine if this was 30 carts with, without it seeing reproduction label on it. What could have potentially happened? Take it home. Go for the hot finish. 
And that's all we have time for for our completely necessary podcast. Special edition. We'll be back in two weeks alongside Ian Ferguson. Good night. I'm Pat Contry. We'll see you guys later. And people are going to hate me after that last segment. But I don't give a shit. Uh, now, you, now you get some heat. <laughs> Bye, guys.